I'm Trillia Newbell, and this is Stories of Sacred Endurance, a podcast about persevering in Christ through the ups, downs, challenges, heartbreaks, and journey of life. Every episode, we will talk to a fellow saint who can teach us something important about enduring in the faith. Louis and Jamie Love have been married for 40 years. Louis serves as the pastor of New Life Fellowship Church in Vernon Hills, Indiana, and he has been doing that since 1997. Both do ministry, they write books, and have three adult children and eight grandchildren. Let's welcome them. You have been Christians for many years and in quiet ministry for, how long have you been in ministry? Uh, let's see. Started preaching when I was 16, so that's about 40, 42 years now. 42 years? Did you say 16? Yeah. 16. That's amazing. I just actually yeah, took the call, accepted the call to ministry when I was 15, um, but then I turned 16 before I preached my first sermon. That's so amazing. Now, I call it 16. <laughs> now, okay, so you started ministry at 16. So did you both know the Lord as young kids? Um, I knew I was introduced to Christ at, um, the age of 12, but that was after what I call a false profession of faith when I was younger. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, uh, it's amazing because, uh, when we read about in the scripture, the Lord opening your eyes and your ears and your heart to hear, uh, it is absolutely amazing. I was sitting in church one Sunday and, uh, of course, the old traditional pastor, as he would say when folks would come forward, do you know Christ uh, as a pardon for your sins? Now, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, OK, well, what does that really mean hmm. uh, as a pardon for your sins? Um, but I remember the Sunday hearing him say that when every Sunday he said it. But hmm. I remember a particular Sunday when I heard it. Uh, and then um, I, the Holy Spirit started the inquiry process uh, for me to understand what that really meant. Uh, and I didn't get a clear answer uh, until my uh, old, one of my older sisters and brother-in-law took me to vacation Bible school at their church. And the pastor clearly presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and I recognized my sin and my need uh, for him. Uh, at that particular time. And then everything started making sense to me. Um, in particular, um, it was a lady who, as young people, we sort of hated to hear her sing. Uh, we called her voice the operatic voice. Uh, and But she had a beautiful voice now yeah. that I'm older and looking back. Um, but her one of one of the songs that she was always called upon to sing was, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. Uh, and all of a sudden those words came alive to me, drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilt and stain. Mm. And I was like, wow, that actually makes sense, Lord. Thank you. Um, but it was by way of my sister and brother-in-law taking me outside of the church I grew up in to another church to clearly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, proclaimed. And how, so how long have you then, how long, 
How long has it been since that encounter? Wow, that has been 40, about 46 years now. 46 years, that's amazing. (laughs) So both of you have been Christians for a very long time by the grace and mercy of our God and Father. Oh, many grace, much grace, many mercies. Yes, (laughs) over and over again. And that's awesome. And, And so what is... What is one truth, or you can give more than one, that has anchored you for all these years to continue to run this race set before you? Wow, one, one, one. That makes it difficult. Um, I would say the one is from John um, chapter 10, where uh, Christ says he has us in his hand and he will not lose us. And not only that, but the Father's hand is around his Um and, and we will not perish because Christ has us, not we ourselves, but because he's holding us. Mm. We will not perish. So in the many faults and failures and falls and um, false starts, um, Jesus Christ has us. I think that has been the truth that has anchored me. Uh, and I was uh, in one of our uh, devotions, we were looking at um, Psalm 121 and it's amazing how it jumped off the page, the truth of Christ having us. Not only does he have have us, but the scripture says he never sleeps or he never slumbers. Right. And so he's always working on our behalf. Uh, even when we don't want him to keep us, he's keeping us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think if I would say that would be the one truth that the Lord who has us, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And even when we fall... The scripture says he doesn't let us fall headlong because he's holding us by our right hand. I mean, that I think uh, that would be the truth. That's amazing. Yeah, and my, and mine is similar, similar to, to Jamie. Um, Philippians 1 6, I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that, that goes before you know, the, the uh, embrace of Jesus, right? It goes before that. Um, and, and then when one does embrace Christ, this is God's work. This is what he has done. He's opened our eyes to, to see the wonder and the beauty of Christ, and he's given us, you know, hearts to repent and, and, and faith to trust in Jesus. And this is a work that he, that he has done in our lives. And then, you know, then it says he is going to complete it. And that doesn't make me idle, but it does give, you know, spiritual energy to to holding on because he's holding on and he's doing that work uh, in us. And that's kind of what we present to to young believers, you know, to 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 give them assurance, not so that they would be idle, but that they would that they would have spiritual energy to to get in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives. And that that he promises to do until the day of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. so that's those, those truths are kind of been we're so we're kind of similar in that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're holding on to the truth of God's word and <laughs> and both of them um are are ones that I have also just uh cling to. And I just I think there are also habits, I think, and rhythms of life that help us to remind to abide in Jesus. Mm-hmm. What are some of your habits or rhythms in life that you, or even maybe spiritual disciplines that you've practiced for all these years? 
um, it, it's um, it's interesting that you would say that. I think one of the things that uh, has stuck with me uh, was reading the uh, bio of Robert Murray McShane, where he said he would not meet with any man until he met with God. Um, and that's a rhythm that's necessary because only God knows what's coming in a particular day. And so it's important to get with him to gain wisdom and insight and discernment and also be prepared to meet the day in a way that's going to glorify him. So it's meeting with the Lord um, early. Um, The other thing would be to be in God's word often. Mm -hmm. So you meet with the Lord early and you're in his word often to prepare your heart and mind um, so that your speech is indeed seasoned with uh, salt And then the other one, and I think this has fallen upon hard times in our day, is um, meeting with God's people, um, the fellowship of believers, community. Uh, That is so vital uh, in our Christian journey um, to for the sake of encouragement, um, for exhortation, um, to be fed the word of God together, to grow together um, and even to fail together. Um, That is so vital. Uh, for us and God has given that to us as a good gift absolutely you know what you know one of the things is not letting your wife speak first because she keeps stealing all your answers (laughs) because all all I'm doing is saying yeah like Jamie said like Jamie said (laughs) that's really so the next question I'm going to answer you answer first first. (laughs) that's awesome but you know but yeah, but, but like Jamie said, <laughs> it, and I, I'm a, I'm an early person by nature. I I'm just an early bird. Been that when we were dating, we had complications because Jamie's nocturnal and I'm not, <laughs> and so we had complications getting on the phone at the same time because she would call and I would be in the bed already. That's and so amazing. we had to work that thing out. So, but I'm an early person, and and uh, I think it's vital. I think it's really I think it's vital to. Um, yeah, to have a discipline of, of entering into the, into the worship of God before you begin the day. Hmm. Now, I know that sounds, it almost sounds pithy, but it really it isn't. No. Because like, like McShane said in, in, that, in that part that Jamie was talking about, I mean, you know, the whole rest of the day is, 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 is um, you know, it falls out based upon how you begin that day. And so if you begin the day in a mess... You know, that's probably the way the day is going to end for you, unless, of course, you know, there's grace of God could come in and interrupt some, some ways that you're ways that you're acting and being that that particular day. Sure. But it's just a good it's just a good habit, I think, for for um, for God's people to uh, get into uh, worship of the Lord before they do anything else. You know, and, and so I think sometimes truly what happens is that people think that you're talking about an hour because, you know, you read the Puritans, they're like, oh, yeah, we have an hour and a half of reading the Bible. <laughs> and so that's not real practical for a lot of people with schedules they have today. But just some time, some moments, you know, reflecting on the gospel and the, and the goodness of, and trusting the Lord for the day. I mean, again, it's not, it's not a, a hardcore Bible study early in the morning. Some people are not... Some people are not um, mentally active early in the morning. It takes them to about noon before they can pick it up, right? <laughs> yes. So, so you give room for all of that, but still just those moments, those few moments, whether it's five, ten, but you, you're, you're reflective 
um, and you're, you're, you're positioning your heart to hear from the Lord and also to pray and to seek his grace for that day. So, again, it's not, uh, again, it's not a Bible study class. It's just spending moments and setting the tone for the remainder of the day. Yes. And I so, would like to add to that, uh, Trillia, um, to uh, gratefully, and this may sound a little crazy, but to gratefully accept the afflictions that come from God, his chastisement, because it is indeed good for us. So as opposed to begrudging it, um, it helps us, as the psalmist says, it's good that I was afflicted because I learned to keep your word as a result of that. And so to joyfully welcome him and say, yeah, I messed up. Thank you, Lord, for correcting me in that. Yeah. What were we going to say, Trillia? Well, yes. Yeah, there were two things I was thinking. I was thinking about Hebrews 10 and where we're talking about the old and new covenant. And then all of a sudden the author says, and stir one one another up and and don't neglect to meet together. And so I just think um, something that Jamie was saying that I, I thought, oh, yes, it's it's essential in our enduring it to meet together and not to gl- neglect one another. We need each other to stir one another up. And then, and I was, I was just thinking about how, um, as you were speaking now, do you want me to call you Lewis or Lou? Because <laughs> I know you as what, Lou. <laughs> what, I've been called them both, so I'm cool with either one. Whatever you're comfortable with, I okay. answer to both of them. Okay. Well, I, as you were speaking, I was, I was thinking about how. Um, it's easy for us to pick up our phones in the morning. So yep. if, if yep. we can pick up our phones, we can pick up the Bible. And, but it is, it's, I'm just saying, they can get on to me yeah, for saying yeah, it like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, that's cool. But, that's cool. <laughs> but it is, it is a very, it's, it's my own temptation is to check in on the latest before getting in the word of God. And I'm an early riser. I am not nocturnal. And, and so, um, <laughs> but it's, it's a temptation and it's easy to do. So I think those are both really good things to think about for habits and rhythms and uh, getting in God's word and meeting with the, and fellowshipping with other other believers. Now, something that I, I've been just listening to you guys, it's just so fun to listen to you guys interact. And the reality is you, you've been married 40 years. Um, I, in my age, where I'm seeing people in relationships, I've been married for about seven, 16 years. Um, I'm just seeing a lot of divorce and uh, marriages breaking down and splits mm. at this stage. And I would love for you to encourage us in enduring in marriage, because I do think that um, in in the, the this middle years, there's, there's, there just seems to be a lot of fractions and people who are, um, they're just falling, giving up, giving up. And um, I would just love some hope in that for our listeners. You know, truly, when, when, when Jay and I um, uh, first talked about getting married, you know, we were 17 years old. Both were in the last semester. Oh, wow. Last I did not know semester, that. Yeah. Last semester of high school. And so I had um, this godly um, high school teacher. He was a health teacher, and he's also the wrestling coach. He also did Bible study <laughs> um, early in the morning on Friday mornings. He was just a godly man. And he grew up. He grew up in the, at that school too. And so, just one of those guys that stuck around the neighborhood, and just poured back into the kids. He still is. Uh, I think he's retired now, but just a godly man. And so, when he heard that I was getting married, um, he said he wanted to talk with me and Jamie. And he and his wife, beautiful couple, 
calls over to their house, and we went by, and he sat down with us. And he said, I just want to tell you all that marriage is for life. And he said, and he, so of course he went to the scripture, you know, Ephesians and other places where, you know, the, the, marriage, the marriage passages, in Genesis as well. And he said, you just need to take divorce out of your vocabulary. It's just not something that you and Jamie are going to ever divorce or ever discuss. It's not an option for you. So forget it. Now. Is that clear? I mean, that's kind of way he's talking. Real soft-spoken. We Okay, yeah, yeah. He said, so now you have to figure out how you're going to be working through your issues because you're going to have them. But you're not going to work through them by way of separation mm. and divorce. So the best thing to do is figure out how to get along with one another. And then if, you, if problems or issues come, figure out how you're going to resolve them. But divorce is not an option. And so I think we kind of just bought that. And then <clears throat> there were around us, I think it's important, we, around us were, were, were older couples that helped even do, during like, yeah, 15, 16, 17 years when it gets kind of weird for people who are married. I just got to do a paper on that. Maybe do some research as to why folks start tripping around 15 <laughs> years of marriage. But, That's a great but, way to put it. <laughs> yeah, so... But it, but you're, but you're right. It, it happens, and so um, I think being around older, um, long married people hmm. who can help, because sometimes you know you need to be pulled through those years, and older folks who've been married a long time, who love the Lord and who love both of you, can help pull you through those years. Can help tell the guy, hey man, ain't that serious? You don't need to walk off, or tell the young lady, no, it's not that serious. You know, it's not. Forgive him, forgive her, and those kinds of things that um, that that are helpful. So I think you know having a basis for non-divorce, and then being around an, an infrastructure, a community mm-hmm. of of long married people, and spend time with them, and then be open. With them, I think one of the things I'm let Jamie have the mic. I'm trying to say everything before she says <laughs> anything, so so she gets to say like Louis said. So, so and I think I think another thing that's 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 really, I think really really vital with with being around the um the the older the older community and the older people who will help who will help pull you through um, your marriage. I think another thing that's really, really important is uh, to be open with them. Mm-hmm. Now, empirical data tells me, Trillia, that, see, a lot of the problems we're having today, with even with Christians, is because they're living such isolated lives. Yeah. The isolation, but first I, wanna, um, I want to thank God for my parents who, when my mom died, they had been married 53 years. Mm. Um, I have, and my in-laws, when my mother-in-law died, they have been married 40 plus years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a sister who today, she and her husband celebrate 54 years of marriage. Uh, And so all of those, and and two other sisters, uh, one sister behind that is going on 54 years, and then the sister closest to me in age is going on almost 50 years. So, I mean, the example after example, so when it talks about needing a community to raise a child, you need a community to preserve a marriage as well. Yes. And so how important that is to learn from them, to listen to them, 
um, to see the good, the bad, the ugly, but in the end it's worth sticking it out. As my oldest brother-in-law would say, you need to have some staying power when you talk <laughs> about marriage. Uh, and so like Louis said, what's happening with a lot of the ma- younger marriages today is they're isolating themselves. And um, it's amazing. Um, in my reading through the Bible, it was this obscure mm-hmm. passage of scripture that jumped out at me. In Judges 18, talking about the people of Laish, and it described the people of Laish. It said everything earthly related when it came to goods, they had it. They were wealthy. Here was the drawback. They isolated themselves. Mm -hmm. So then when their enemy came after them, as a matter of fact, their enemy had scoped them out and saw, hey, they're wealthy. They have it going on, but they've isolated themselves. We're going to take them out. And that is exactly what happened. They were taken out, the scripture says, because Mm -hmm. they were isolated. A little obscure passage of scripture, and it just hit my heart. Again, talking about the importance of community, marriage, is not successful in isolation. No. You need the people of God around you. Yeah, that, that passage is because it's, it's gripping, it's stunning because it says that they took them because, um, how, how did it go? They that were they, they were isolated, but the wording that it used was that they were away from everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Hmm. They were away. And so, I, and we can be inside the church, you know, and in small groups and whatever other kind of ways that people gather and still marriage can be isolated. Absolutely. And that's not helpful at all. Yeah. No, it's it's true because um, I, there's there, people don't want to confess when they're struggling or yeah. what I've experienced, not personally, but from other friends is that they might, they're afraid to shame their husband or th- so sure. they, they're, they're going to keep something private and then until it blows up and then they, they leave or, yeah. and so this is something, I, I love this, not just that you're not isolated, but that you're actually apart, um, mm-hmm. vulnerable, honest, open. And, and so I think this is so important for enduring in the faith, enduring in marriage. Um, we are, and I, and I think also, Trillia, another passage that we use, and and what happens is with Ephesians five, is we tend to focus on um, the husband loving the wife as Christ loved the church, and that's true and good, and the wife submitting to the husband out of reverence for Christ, and that is true and good. But we miss the piece that. Paul ends it and says, hey, I'm talking about Christ in his church. This is a picture of Christ in the church. So at the end of the day, yeah, marriage is good for us, but it really ain't about us. It's about Christ and his church. And so if we remember that when we're going through the hard times, then we we will be more apt to say, wait a minute. This is not about I can't, me. Like yeah. Joseph, right. Yeah. Like Joseph said, I can't do this thing and sin against my God. I can't shame my God in this manner because this really is a picture of how he loves his church. Mm. Yeah. That's good. And 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 there are um gosh, there's so many different situations and things that um happen where where couples do divorce and um and so if you if that is you and you're listening, I, I do pray that the gospel would wash over you and um, mm. that where repentance is needed, repentance would be had where healing is needed, healing would happen, um, where encouragement is needed, 
which is always needed, that you would be encouraged mm-hmm. in your faith as you continue to walk this race out. Um, we are also seeing, and again, I think this is about my age group, um, which would be in the 40s, a lot of people, um, and a lot may be an overstatement, but people leaving the faith. So apostasy, is it apostasizing? I don't know if that's a word, but apostasy, where they're just denying the faith and saying they no longer believe. And we're seeing that as well. And and some of it happens in conjunction with divorce. It's, it seems like there's or that, that happens and then they leave the faith or something. Something happens um, or they're disillusioned or something happens. So mm-hmm. what would you say to that person who is either on the verge of giving up or maybe they have already? But I would say we, the encouragement to the person who is on the verge or, of um, giving giving up. Yeah, you know, as the young folk say, you know, real talk. <clears throat> I would say hanging in there and not giving up o- over against whatever you feel in your heart that that's leading you to to throw the towel in. Um, it's, it's not just a, a better option in terms of, of, of pragmatism, but it is the it is the best thing for your life. Giving up on the other side of that, you can't even imagine what it's like and what it is. But it's never, it's never what it promises to be. <laughs> it never is. The option of giving up and walking away from the faith, it's a, it's a lie that the adversary is speaking to that individual. And he is the father of lies. So the truth of the matter is that life is going to be difficult whether you are a Christian or not. Life is difficult. We live in a fallen world, right? But a believer has the hope of Jesus, right? And we have an inheritance that's guaranteed for us, sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? And so we know what, what life, what the end of the matter is. It is a guarantee. It is a promise from God. There is no promise in giving up. There is there is no hope in throwing in the towel. They're just absolutely. Let's just be honest. There's not. What's left? What's left for you by throwing in the towel on the faith, by giving up on Jesus? There's no, absolutely nothing left. That's just the truth of it. So you can hang on to the promises of God, who's who all the promises of God are yea and amen in Jesus. And, and, and have been kept in Jesus. Or you can, you can throw that away and, 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 and make your claim or your stake with the lie of, of your heart right now, the flesh, the adversary, and the world. And it is a lie. It is a lie. Don't believe it. Yeah. No, that's very helpful. And I would, I would like to add, uh, of course, I love music and lyrics. Uh, so to what... Uh, Louis said, I would just like to add, um, it's funny, my sister and I, um, the sister closest to me in age, we sort of have like this catechism thing when we call each other, <laughs> going back and forth. And she always says, you know, I, what are you doing? 
uh, or I ask her, what is she doing? And she says, I'm holding to God's unchanging hand. And then she waits for me to say, because all other ground is sinking sand. Um, And so that's sort of a good reminder as we speak to each other, um, even as we talk about the the temptation to turn away. um, The songwriter says this, when darkness veils his lovely face, rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, remember your anchor holes within the veil. We would like to have, um, you know, this the right word or right. And I think that, you know, a good word from the word of God, you know, and a good song from the saints is is, is, is very helpful dur- during these times. No, I think you're right. And I would just add, if I may, pray, pray, ask God for faith. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we, sure. we, we just need to ask God, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And help me. Yeah. Help me. I, I can't do this without <laughs> yeah. you. And um, where would I go? Um, and so, which was kind of what you were saying, Lou, is where would you go? What is, let's put feet on it with a real practical idea before we wrap up. And how, it, is there one thing in your life that you thought you might not get through? And how did you? Wow, one. It's been many. Uh, <laughs> I know. I keep. I keep using the word one, but one. Yeah, it's been many. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, to be honest, since we've talked a lot about marriage, um, I would say one of the things was getting married at seventeen. Yeah. And growing up together, going through the end of teenage years, the early twenties together, the thirties together. Um, the change of life together. I mean, you talk about all these different seasons and at each one it's been, oh, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to make it through this. <laughs> Lord, it, it, as the old, as the old folks would say, if the Lord don't help me, I ain't going to stay at the store. Uh, but, <laughs> but, um, and it, and it's interesting because, uh, the older couple, and I'm sure you've heard us mention them before the Crockett's who discipled us. Um, they had been married 60, a little over 60 years, and we went to breakfast with them one time. And um, <laughs> she happened to make the comment that, wow, it's always something. And he echoed back and said, you got that right, Charlesta. Um, <laughs> Charlesta. And so while, while, while people would think, well, wow, that's negative. No, that's an encouragement because here they are, 60-plus years of marriage, but and yet they're, the Lord is holding them as they hold the Lord. Mm. I mean, and and so I would say, you know, realistically speaking, the different challenges that come up in two sinners being married to each other for any length of time is going to be the challenge. Lord, I am not going to be able to do this without your help. Mm. And much like what we read about in Pilgrim's Progress, the Lord is faithful every single time to send the exact help you need at yeah. that particular time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, for me, Trillia, it was uh, marriage. Yeah, Jamie's right, and we, yeah, we concur on that. But specifically within marriage, it was ra- it was raising our children, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they got around teenage years. Um, now, not being that much older than our children. Uh, right. We, we could we could really empathize with them of how how it was or how it is to be a teenager. And so and we could we could even almost just, you know, prophesy what they were going to do because <laughs> we weren't that far removed from it. Right. But that that was difficult for me as a dad. It was really hard during those years, the, teen, the late teenage years and early adult 
could. As difficult as it was for teenagers, and it was difficult to transition then to them being adults. Now, and, what um, what was difficult? Ahead. Just what name one aspect? Was it that you didn't have control? Was it that they you, as as much as you feel comfortable sharing? But but um, was there a certain... yeah? That's it, right there. That's it. On the, you hit it. You you got the grand prize. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just you know just losing perceived control mm. and and not being able to dictate. Um, or command a certain kind of behavior or response. Children have always been somewhat uh, submissive. I mean, they were bad. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. kids, but but still, you know, when you when you, they didn't disrespect Jamie and I, they just we didn't have that issue with our children. But still, you had certain things, certain behaviors you wanted them to uh, not do, and certain things you wanted them to do. As I, as I got older, it, it changed, and so I'm I'm. A, Pretty controlling person, I've been told. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you bought the seals getting into a fight right here on your interview. <laughs> but anyway. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so when, in matter of fact, Pastor Crockett, the person that JB mentioned, he was at our home one day, and and one of our one of our sons, I mean, he was married, and uh, his wife was there, and I was going in on him. And uh, and and, it, and and they left after a while. They left, and Pastor Crockett brought me aside, took me aside, and said, "Come here, come here, young pastor." And it was interesting because I was in my forties, and uh, he, he said, "God can whisper a lot louder than you can yell." Hmm. Pray That's for really your son. good. <laughs> yeah. That's pray that for was your it. Son. God. I put listen. it in a journal. Yeah. I put it in a journal. I journaled that day. Today I stop yelling and I start praying. Hmm. And it was the next year that um, our son recommitted his life to the Lord and, uh, and, and, and began to live for him and, and raise his family up in the things of the Lord. That was just a turning point. So, and the Lord brought us through it. I would like to add to that, Trilly. I think you mentioned it earlier about asking the Lord to help our unbelief, mm-hmm. um, because I think a lot of times with our children, um, we don't trust like we should right. yeah. the Lord that we poured into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're sitting here as a testament because I'm sure our parents uh, <laughs> in the quiet places were having the same type of conversations about us like, oh, no, they're never going to make they're never going to be right. And yet the Lord, because of what they did trusting the Lord, the Lord honored that. And so we have to trust the Lord that way when it comes to our own offspring. Mm. No, that's so encouraging. Well, is there any last gospel hope that you would like to give us as we're running this race? I, I would I would just say uh, what um, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, that Jesus Christ will keep your whole spirit, soul, and body blameless until he comes and he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it see so she stole my answer again <clears throat> but anyway <laughs> i i leave this one um and this this is particularly helpful preachers always give benedictions but i think jude's was just um it's amazing and it's always always helpful uh now to him is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Thanks for listening to Stories of Sacred Endurance. If you are enjoying it, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That will help more people discover and hopefully be encouraged by this podcast. And be sure to pick up a copy of my new book, Sacred Endurance, from InterVarsity Press. InterVarsity Press is offering podcast listeners 30% off the book through March 2020. Go to ivypress.com and use the code SACRED30 for 30% off and free shipping on your copy of Sacred Endurance. Thanks for listening.